the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Good morning and welcome to Healthcare Now, Central Florida's newest healthcare talk radio show. I'm John Kelly, publisher of the Orlando Medical News. Joining me this morning are two of Central Florida's most committed healthcare advocates and my co-host, Mark Chayot, MD, and Larry Jones. Dr. Mark is a pediatric surgeon. He has practiced medicine in Central Florida since 1997 and is president of Pediatric Surgery PA, a former lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army, chairman and co-founder of the Integrated Independent Physicians Network, and the chairman of Kidstocks, a pediatric subspecialty organization in Central Florida. Larry Jones is the Executive Director of the Integrated Independent Physicians Network and CEO of Independent Healthcare Partners, headquartered in Maitland, Florida. The IPA, known as IPN, is a 1,000-physician, multi-specialty physician network throughout 12 counties in Central Florida. Its core mission, providing tools and programs, allowing physicians to compete in today's healthcare environment. Larry has worked on both the payer and provider side of healthcare and understands healthcare, its challenges, and its opportunities. Managing to our value proposition, I'm going to now turn it over to one of our founders. Great, great. I tell you, Larry, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to kind of go over what we've talked about in the last few shows, and then we'll tip it off with what's next. Cool. All right. You know, uh, Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare, we're going to continue our mission of educating patients and healthcare consumers to, come, um, to become savvy and knowledgeable about how to navigate and access our complex healthcare system and sometimes very confusing healthcare system. Our goal of this show is to bring patients and consumers, healthcare providers, insurance payers, and even hospital systems into a discussion about how we all fit together in providing healthcare high-quality, and cost-effective patient care in Central Florida. Great, great. Mm-hmm. And I think the next step is, I mean, let me just ask, what are the most important issues in healthcare today that affect patients and providers? Well, you know, in our previous shows, we talked about what it means to become an educated healthcare consumer, orientation and discussion of navigating a confusing healthcare marketplace, and we also looked at different health plans, how to read and understand your health player benefits, how to maximize access to care, and particularly how to control your overall cost and your out-of-pocket cost. You know, I think it's probably a good moment to point out that listeners that are just jumping on for the first time today can hear those um, if they go to the uh, website of the station and be able to look that up on our on our time slot. So, so let's let's continue this discussion and move into talking about some of the most important issues in healthcare today. Well, you know, the the a big one today, and anyone in healthcare knows this. The influx of venture capital is very strong in the Huge. in the marketplace today. Yep. Yep. And let me just give you a couple stats, and then, Dr. Mark, I'd really like to get your opinion on where this is all going. You know, Centene, one of the largest Medicaid providers in the country, just bought Magellan, which was a pharmacy company, for $2.2 billion. Hospital systems are buying more hospitals. Independent practices are being purchased by venture capital investment groups forming these large multi-specialty practices. We have some right here in Central Florida. And then insurance companies are buying pharmacies and PBMs as well as large pharmacy distributors. Two examples of that, Aetna and CVS merged. Yeah, I think and then and Cigna and Express Scripts Pharmacy merged. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So those are two big, big mergers. Huge, huge, yeah, huge moves. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've, we've talked in the previous shows a little bit about this where, I mean, the whole 
basket here is, is, is a tremendous amount of money. This is income coming from many, many different sources. And, you know, whenever the marketplace is looking at that, they're going to look at certain areas. And certainly pharmacy is one of those areas that a huge percentage of the expenditures end out with. So the venture capital folks wisely look at their investments and see, you know, how these things are going to mm-hmm. how these things are going to add up. So there's been a lot of activity in the last probably 10 years. But in the last two years, it's been kind of kind of yeah. blinding. Well, you know, the uh, the administration under the former administration under Trump, they tried to pass a lot of laws and, and legislation that that uh, monitored pricing right. to buy drugs equal to what Canada's paying. And then the Biden administration has come in and kill that. Right, and uh, right. so we're back and forth seesaw. But the bottom line is this venture capital money. What do you think the real impact on the patient is, Dr. Mark? Well, I mean, I think it's difficult because... In some senses, these venture capital groups have really helped out some physicians that were struggling um, that don't want to go into a straight employment model uh, but are not able to make ends meet. And essentially, these groups are coming in because at the the end of the day, it's all about the contract, right? Mm -hmm. So if these companies come in and they have better contracts with the commercial insurers specifically, uh, they're able to see these physician groups not change a bit in what type of work they're doing or how they're doing it, but be reimbursed at a greater rate. So much so that they can reward the physician and make a profit. Right. And this is an interesting economic model. You know, an investor would get really fired up about this. But as a physician, I think, you know, some of us look at it a a little bit differently because we're always curious as to why there's so much of a differential between contracts mm-hmm. between Dr. A and Dr. B when they're not measuring outcomes or value-based medicine. They're just making right. contracts set up. Sure. And, you know, physicians have always been, had their hands tied a bit. We can't discuss our contracts amongst each other. We can't say, hey, let's make sure that company X pays us this level. We can't, we can't do any of that. Mm-hmm. So these venture capital groups are coming. They've got a little bit of an unfair advantage, although I would say they're, they're sharing in the riches. You know, uh, we're seeing a lot of venture capital money coming to physicians. But let me ask you this, Dr. Mark. Is it a myth that when a physician joins a hospital and becomes an employee, that quality goes down and costs go up? It is a fact. It is not a myth. Okay. <laughs> it is a, it is a well, well-known fact that, that productivity changes when ownership changes. Um, it's human nature. It's not, uh, it's not uh, a... Uh, you know, saying that somebody's doing a, the wrong thing or a bad thing, it's just it's just human nature. It's it's simply put, when it's time to walk out of the office and you get a phone call from one of your referring physicians, uh, you're much more likely to not continue your way to the car if you're in private practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that's exactly just the, the way it kind of works. Know, it's and and I think most patients probably don't even know who owns their physician practice, uh, whether definitely. it's the physician or another entity or even a hospital. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've yeah. been in town for for 23 years and my referring docs, I've known very well. I, you know, I know a lot of them, you know, outside the, the hospital setup. And many times they'll make a comment like, oh, you don't work for Hospital X or Hospital Y. Right. right. You know, so it's it's yeah. uh, it's not what the referring folks and certainly not what the physician or I'm sorry, the patients are looking to yeah. see. So, you know, is it uh, important that an educated healthcare consumer know who their physician works for? You know, I don't want to get, I'm, I'm too biased, really, you okay. know, and I would have to say there are fantastic physicians working at the hospitals. Without a doubt. Um, you yeah. know, they're, they're, whenever I talk to some, you know, because we, we have this large group of, of independent physicians, as we've talked about at IPN, and over the years, we've gotten new members, and we've also had members that have, have gone other ways. And I always say the same thing when they come up and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing this next year. I can't judge their decision because it's the right decision for them. In the situation that they have arrived at, you know, the, the part that bothers me isn't how the deal is made or that it's happening. What bothers me is I think that it's taken away free will, right? I mean, I think the physicians, had they wanted to be employed, they'd have done it from the get-go, but right. that's just the way it is. But I'm, I'm I'm too biased to say. I mean, I think I mean I, w- I work with both, and and you know we have a wonderful healthcare structure here in Orlando, 
Um, there's great competition. There's great quality. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just have to leave it at that. Right. You know, there's another area where venture capital money has just gone and exploded, and that's in the specialty use of telehealth services. Right, right. We are seeing millions and millions of dollars coming to telehealth. And let me give you two stats real quick. Researchers analyzed outpatient volume during the pandemic from January 1 to March 17th and from March 18th to June 16th during when COVID was spreading the fastest. And it showed that 80% plus of all healthcare providers are using telehealth with their patients today. And another study showed that up to 30.1% of all visits by physicians today are now performed by telemedicine. Right. And this is, you know, absolutely thanks to COVID. This is something yep. that, that has been discussed. Um, it's been blocked uh, by certain insurance companies refusing to pay for tele- telemedicine. Uh, that was uh, executive ordered out of there, you know, in, in right, our state, right, for instance. Right. And now, I mean, it's really, really expo- expanded. And if uh, if some of my friends were listening to this, they would be they would uh, come after me if I didn't have a disclosure here. So I've actually developed a video platform that, that uh, you probably don't even know about that right. I'm going to introduce. Well, we have talked about it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and so I've learned a lot about this space, mm-hmm. and COVID has. Uh, has definitely changed the way we get our meals. Uh, you know, we get them delivered to our doorstep. Exactly. And it's changed the way that we visited uh, healthcare professionals and other professionals. You know, I thought it was interesting. During the COVID period, uh, there were some specific specialties that were used more than others. And, and I would have thought that primary care would be one of the highest used specialties. But let me give you some stats. of endocrinologists used telehealth during the COVID period, the highest specialty. Gastroenterologist was next, neurologist was next, and pain management were next. And, you know, in reality, that really fits when you talk about value-based care because one of the biggest issues today is diabetes. Right. And endocrinologists work with that. And a lot of this is medication management. Exactly. In medication management, you can absolutely have a soup to nuts conversation and get things taken care of. Absolutely. Right. So that's endocrinology. And then GI, gastroenterology, right. one of the biggest reasons people go to the ER is abdominal pain. Mm-hmm. And so now you've got that. And of course, neurologist during all this issue of, uh, of socioeconomics and, and depression and all this, right. I can see where that would come into play. And then of course, people are trying to manage their pain with meds on a regular basis. Right, right. So this all, it all kind of fits. Larry and mm-hmm. Dr. Mark, I need to jump in here. Um, but before we go to break, uh, we have a listener, Joyce, out in Winter Park. She's a big fan of the show. And I'm so glad that you addressed the question of levels of care between independent uh, physicians and hospital-employed physicians, um, because that was one of the questions that she had emailed to me this morning. Um, her other question has to do with out-of-network physicians when you arrive at the ER. And she was very animated about the fact that when you arrive at the ER, you're in need, and in some cases you're unconscious, and you're you're in no position to say, no, that doctor is not in my network. So after the break, can we address that? You bet. Thank you. Thanks, John. Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. COVID-19 impacting your practice? Patients visits down? Elective procedures pushed out? rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Chronic care management? remote patient monitoring, medication management, behavioral health screenings. Interested? RxToLive.com. Better yet, call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems, and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 
407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Looking for affordable or professional video differentiating your business from competitors? Brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. Sakatafilms.com, 407-860-3035. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to curissystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. And we want to pick up uh, with Joyce's question about when arriving at an ER and you're not in a position to ask that doctor, are you in network or out of my network? So, and she's absolutely right, because you could be in an ambulance and the ambulance follows certain rules and regulations on where they go. You could even tell them, I want to go to this hospital. And they say, well, listen, I ha- this hospital is closer. And given why we're taking you somewhere, we have to go there. So the responsibility for the insurance company is to pay for all the triage care. So whatever happens in the ER, whatever consultations, everything up front is covered, even if it's an out-of-network hospital. Less and, your copay. Less your copay. Sure. Uh, and then you know, that, that includes the out-of-network physicians. Now, once you have come to a level that you could be transferred to an in-network facility, that discussion needs to be had with the insurance company to say, you know, if you say, well, now, you know, I'm in, in the in the motion of this care and you have to deal with your insurance company and say, how is this going to be handled? And that's one of the areas that gets very gray and get very expensive because then it could be, you know, based on your contract with your insurance carrier that that now becomes out of network. So they covered that front-end emergency care, but any referrals, any further consultations, anything that happens after you leave the hospital, they're going to look at whether it's in or outside a network, no matter who referred it. Now, when we talk about doctors that are employed, I, I again, too biased to comment on quality. I think there are quality doctors on both sides. But what we have seen that statistics can can back up are the expenses that right. you incur if you are in a hospital system with employed physicians and providers as opposed to working in an, an independent practice exactly. system. Exactly. You know, uh, and, and I think the thing with Joyce, too, is you just check with your health care provider right. and look at your benefits and make sure that you're getting the right bill right, and that you're being covered properly because you can always appeal those bills. You can always appeal those bills and you've got enough to worry about when you're on your way to the hospital. Don't add that to it because that's going to be covered, that front end. And then once life gets a little more under control, you can check on those other things. You know, uh, going back to our original conversation about venture capital money and, and how strong it is in the healthcare arena, and we talk about healthcare consolidations also continue to be strong. Dr. Mark, what's your feelings on that? How do you think this impacts uh, patient care? Oh, I think we're, we're just in the, we're in the middle of all these actions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's been an action uh, because of COVID. Uh, COVID-19 you know, created a lots, of ha- lots of havoc in the, the healthcare and in every branch of everything that we all do. So there are going to be changes that stick with us, uh, but we haven't had the full reaction yet. Right. And I think, you know, with these, these hospitals that have closed down, they're not, not going to open back up. Right. Um, the, the consolidations that have occurred, there's going to be more consolidations in my opinion. No question. And I think, you know, when we go to specifically to venture capital, I mean, it's just, it, this venture capital yeah. is purely a market dilemma of, yeah. you know, we can follow yeah. along if it's going to work as long as it works. That's I mean, right. isn't that that's a nice that's political right. answer, right? And you know, there are very few independent hospitals out there today. 
Very few. Very few. I know of maybe one in Florida that I can think of. Yeah, yeah. No, the numbers. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of restrictions. There used to be physician-owned yeah. hospitals. There's still a few of them in the country. Exactly. But now there are restrictions. No that question. We can't, yeah. physicians can't own hospitals. Yeah. You know, let's change gears a little bit. And, you know, some some of the most difficult issues facing health care today in the U.S. are the rising cost of health care, shortage of primary care physicians, and the difference in patient standards of care and health care between countries and yep. the U.S. Yep. Your yeah, thoughts yeah, yeah. on that, Dr. Mark? Well, and not even like states in the U.S., just regional differences in health care. Yeah, yep. yeah yep. absolutely. Well, so the, the rising cost is there's no question that the we can't keep up with the rising cost of health care. Right. The question is, where are the dollars going? Because we've said this before, I can talk to uh, 100 hospital CEOs, and they're going to tell you, well, we're not making more money. And I'm not being making fun of right. them. They're, they're not right. making more money. Uh, I can talk to 1,000 physicians, and they're going to tell me, well, we're not right. making more money. So those and, are the you know, two we're talking places. about a $4 trillion industry yeah, right, in the U.S. Right. today. And with, with jumps in you know, 5 10 15% over right. a year's time. Right. So this is a lot of money that is, when, when, you're, when you're a consumer, and you talk about healthcare. There's three places you think money is spent: to your doctor, to your pharmacy, and to your hospital. And I just said two of those groups not making any extra money. So we have to look at the places that are making extra money, and perhaps how some of the institutions are spending their would-be profits to see how we can get in control of this healthcare. Because we can't just keep cutting what is spent. The whole reason our healthcare is so good is that we spend money on research and technology exactly we're advancing it we got a i say we i had nothing to do with getting the vaccines to market but the vaccines were brought to market in lightning speed the the first two vaccines are out their their protection numbers are fantastic and that I wasn't saw, cheap. i saw the numbers this morning 13 million people in america have had one one shot 13 million 13 yeah. million All right and i think something like two and a half million have had two shots gotcha gotcha well that's yeah. uh that's not a lot compared to 30 million 30 right. 300 million in this country but we're moving in the right direction we, we are and and that's probably another segment to talk about but it's sure. a good example because there's been money poured into that vaccine development well before COVID 19 okay that technology so we can't just give up on that technology we are the technology leaders in the world and it's going to cost money. So we have to look very carefully at where where's the leak. Well, and, you know, and I think I know, and I don't want to yeah. throw it out. Well, you <laughs> know, I mean, I mean, a good part of where's the leak is going to a hospital on Saturday night for a bad cold. Absolutely. No, how, they don't how we want access. you there. No, they really don't. They really don't. <laughs> well, you know, it's a catch-22, Larry, because yeah. with COVID-19, um, I've spent many a visit to the ERs that I always go to and they're always busy and they are flat empty, right? Empty. Now I know there are many ERs in the country that were overwhelmed with actually COVID patients, but a lot of the pediatric ERs, you don't see a lot of really sick kids Mm -hmm. with, from, from COVID type infection. So they're empty. So it makes you think, well, where are all these people? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because that, that movement actually started around March of last year, and here we're coming on March of this year. Yeah. So it's a year, and if you remember some of our earlier stats, where hospitals are going to lose $321 billion right. in right. this country next year. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So that's or what I'm saying. Year. It's a catch-22, and yeah. we, we hear people say, listen, go see your primary This And this is the answer. Go see your primary care physician. That's right. Don't go straight to the ER unless it's truly yeah. an emergency. But at the end of the day, the hospitals rely upon income that comes in through that ER. Right. They're not seeing it, and that's they're right. hurting. You and know, there's so always going to p- be a place for the hospital. Oh, oh, yeah. But the hospital is about acute care. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, you yeah. can't. We can't have the system without fabulous hospitals. So, Larry, yeah. where do these walk-in clinics that are owned by the hospitals? Well, that's interesting in Central Florida because you've got uh, Advent Health has their huge network of about 65 clinics and now you've got orlando health and hca health spot and uh there are i think 125 urgent care centers in the metro orlando area and they're all owned by hospitals now there are a few independent ones out there right but the majority of them are also owned by the hospital that was the name it's care spot yeah there's care spot care now 
and the Advent Health. And the Advent Health. Yeah. Urgent care. Urgent care. Yeah. So, yeah, and they've really grown. Used to be called Centricare. Used to be Centricare. And they've grown. And so the next thing, John, that's popped up that you can't miss because they're so huge are the freestanding ERs. And so if you're going to ask me, well, if if you're a hospital system and you own urgent care centers and you own freestanding ERs, what would motivate you to earn to open these ERs? Because they cost big dollars to open these gorgeous facilities. It's basically a mini hospital. It's it is. Yeah. And it can expand yeah. into into yeah. a hospital and with hospital beds. You know, so it's interesting. What, what do you think the motivation is though? Market share. Market share and billing. So so they can bill as an ER because they are an ER as opposed to an urgent care which is a different billing as opposed to a primary care which is a different billing all for potentially seeing exactly the same problem and keeping patients in your health system that's what the extension of urgent care and and freestanding ERs are to make sure that these patients stay within a hospital system that these these hospital people want to keep them in. right right you know it's it's like a uh, it's like Panera opening up a drive through yeah you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Them, it's access, access, and, and access. And you, you talk about drive-throughs. You know, five years ago, there were four freestanding urgent cares in the Central Florida market. Today, there are over 40. Wow. No, I didn't know it expanded. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's yeah. amazing. It's, it's incredible. Yep. But, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit more about some of the bigger problems in health care and in the future of health care. You know, one study said that lack of health care workers, long working hours, more people needing health care, People are living longer, and the cost of becoming a physician has gotten greater and greater and greater. Mark, Dr. Mark, can you talk about that? Well, I think that plays into what you talked about earlier, the mm-hmm. shortage of primary care professionals right. specifically, right? right? So there, the studies that say we're going to have a doctor shortage all across the board, you know, there's they'll cry wolf, they'll open up new medical schools, and then we didn't really get a shortage, but it's the specialty-specific shortages. And they're absolutely connected because if somebody, the increasing cost of education has these physicians coming out with debt, considerable Huge debt. Huge debt. One of my buddies yep. just finished up his training, and he came out with 480000 in debt. Uh, and he didn't, he didn't go to an Ivy League school, right. uh, but it was a long process of training. And mm-hmm. so if he is going to, let's, let's pick, pick on those that I know are hurting the most. That's let's, a nice house mortgage. Yeah. And yeah. let's say he uh, goes into pediatrics. So what's my what's my yeah. average earning in Central Florida for somebody that's yeah. hanging a shingle as a pediatrician? What's your return on investment? Yeah, you're never yeah. you're not going to get out from under. Exactly. So if you're going to some of the specialties, you do you do a bit better, but that really dissuades folks from going into primary care. And you know you you hate that money has anything to do with mm-hmm. choosing this because it's a it's a wonderful it's an honor it's a blessing to be able to be involved in in healthcare. Right. But at the end of the day, you have to. Do well yeah. to do good, right? right? I mean, you have to be Absolutely. able to pay you the know, bills. You know, Dr. Mark, you know, even though you're a pediatrician, people are living longer today, and so it's impacting our Medicare roles and even uh, uh, the older population. Uh, just a quick thought on that before we go to a break. No, it's de- definitely, especially since it's so heavy in what we spend on the last six months' care of someone's life, it's expanding those needs, and we're talking about government pol- policies uh, it's going to be tragic if we don't have an answer. Yeah. And, you know, John, before we close, uh, speaking of that, it's estimated that 40% of your entire medical expenditures are spent in the last 30 days of your life. Last 30 days. Well, Larry, there's no stopping Father Time. <laughs> Just another polite reminder, this show is for our audience. Please share your questions with us, 407-701-7424. And if you're shy, Healthcare now at orlandomedicalnews.com. Thank you. Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Are improved patient outcomes valuable? Improved chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, all without increasing practice workload or expenses. rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Interested? rx 2 livecom 
or call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. That's 609-605-6859. Lando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407 228 4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Looking for affordable or professional video differentiating your business from competitors? Brand Improving Online Presence About Me or Professional Videos. Sakatafilms.com 407 Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to curissystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This morning, our guest is John Fogarty, the regional developer for Rx to Live in Central Florida. The company's tagline is Your Prescription for Life. What is Rx to Live? Prescription for to Life and their triple play. I'm reading a lot about this online. So tell us about Rx to Live, John. Uh, so Rx to Live is a company that provides healthcare services to uh, independent physicians. And the idea is to help the physicians provide their patients with the highest quality care that they can get. And so we do that by making sure that the uh, patient stays in contact with the office and making sure that the patient has the services that they need and that there's never a gap in that services, and they can always get what they need from from the physician itself. Well, John, outcomes are uh, paramount to physicians. So can you tell us a little bit about um, how Rx to Live and its systems actually uh, provide better outcomes? Yeah, John, let me jump in here. Uh, You know, uh, welcome, John. Uh, Dr. Mark and I are very pleased to have you on the show today. And, you know, we manage a 1,000 physicians in 12 counties in Central Florida, and many of those physicians participate in our value-based programs. So I think the questions John asking is, how does Rx to Live help our physicians provide better patient outcomes? Because you know in the future their reimbursement's going to be based on that. Sure. So one of our key programs or the cornerstone of what we do is something called chronic care management. And just a real short, brief thing. If you look, um, chronic care management is really mainly focused on older folks in the Medicare system that have more than one chronic care condition. Why is that important? Well, that's important is because if we look at that, in the U.S. health system, about 86% of the cost is actually spent on people with chronic care conditions. What does that mean? That means that all of that cost goes into that. Well, But we also know that when people participate in the chronic care program, that Medicare actually saves about $75 a month per patient that's in the chronic care condition. Now, unfortunately, where we're at right now is that there's only a small number of folks that participate in the chronic care condition program when you look at it, right? There's about 46 million people in the Medicare system, but only about 500,000 of them actually participate in the program itself. And what is the program? Well, the program is set up so that, uh, in our case, Rx to Live, as an extension of the physician's office, actually has contact with the patient 20 minutes every single month. And what that does is a couple of things. It actually keeps the patient up to speed to make sure that the patient 
doing the care plan that the doctor has put together for them, which include things like, um, are you taking your medications according to the plan? Uh, are you following any cares? Are you having any problems that you haven't had in the last, uh, after your last visit? It avoids uh, things like people going to the emergency room because we're in contact with them. They have a place to call. And we can make sure they get the care they need, but not necessarily at the emergency room, either at their physician's office or at an urgent care in the area that their physician works with, or even a specialist if, if needed be. And so it ha- helps the patient immensely with their outcome because they've got that constant contact and it keeps healthcare in their, the front of their mind. So that's really the cornerstone of our program and, and what we revolve, everything else that we build, builds around that and helps the patient with that care. Hey, John, it's Dr. Mark here. Thanks. That was an excellent explanation, kind of getting us up to speed. Then I want to kind of move into the next like hottest topic for everybody. COVID-19 has really thrown a curveball into practices, hospitals, private practices, employed practices. How can the RX2 Live help physicians who've seen all these different struggles in the last uh, last year? Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, if you look around and if you look at some of the AMA studies, it shows that revenue has dropped somewhere between 40 and 6% for a lot of physicians. And that's really putting the squeeze on them, right? And that, uh, how, do, how do they recover from that? Well, one of the things rx to live does is because we allow you to outsource your chronic care management and we do it at a pretty efficient rate, um, it allows the physician to bring in additional revenue with little or no work on, on their side of it. I mean, we need them to provide us with the eligible patients and help us with their contact information. But we basically put together a, a turnkey operation that allows us to sign up their folks for the chronic care management program and then follow their folks all the way through. And at the end of each month, send in a transcript uh, of what was actually talked about with the patient and any problems that uh, came up. And then we send that into the doctor and uh, all the information he needs to bill Medicare for that so that he can go ahead and bill bill Medicare for that. So it's actually allowed us to help them increase their revenue somewhere between three and and four times in some cases, depending upon the number of Medicare patients they have and, and where they're at on the, the chronic care management program. So it allows us to really help them replace some of that revenue that they've lost over the last year because of the COVID. So, John, we're uh, living and working in a uh, more of a value-based um, environment versus the old older fee-for-service. Um, am I to understand that uh, rx to live checks off a bunch of the boxes, especially for primary care providers, and positively impacts the reimbursement? Absolutely. If you take a look at it, right, I mean, every every single one of those value-added services that we add, which is the chronic care and making sure that we're in contact with it, so it's making sure we're having communication on a regular basis with the customer, with the patient. It's making sure that we're uh, eliminating those hospital visits and those emergency room visits because we are in contact with them so we can take care of a any problems that arise before they become critical or before they come to the case where the patient feels like they need to go to the emergency room. And it also gives us a communication link so that the, the patient realizes, hey, I don't have to sit on hold to try and get an appointment or I don't have to try and, you know, call in to get a prescription. I can do that through the rx to live group that I'm working with and call them and they'll take care of that prescription and they'll even call it into the pharmacy and make sure it gets delivered to my home. So we've, we've really uh, done a lot of things that will help us do that and help you improve your scores um, so that you can get more value-based or a higher value-based um, return. So you absolutely. Know, you know, John, uh, this is Larry, you know, uh, back to Dr. Mark's question about, you know, obviously the biggest impact that the COVID has had is on private practices. Uh, we've seen more than three dozen hospitals go bankrupt according to data compiled by Bloomberg. And in a series of reports, May and June, the American Hospital Association projected that hospitals and health systems would lose $323 billion in 2020. So how does rx to live impact these issues with primary care or even 
independent physicians? Yeah, so what we've done is, is I, I mentioned that the chronic care program is really our key and our, our cornerstone of that. But in addition to that, we've introduced a remote patient monitoring uh, program, which allows us to um, take those patients that are uh, chronically ill and monitor the key key elements there. And there's about 10 different types of monitors that can be used, but it's, it's for key things. So it's things like hypertension, so m- measuring blood pressure. It's things like um, people with diabetes, so measuring their their numbers on our diabetes and keeping an eye on those. There's, um, you know, a number of other measures, you know, with the, with the COVID, of course, the, the O2 uptake uh, was another one that we were actually using on a lot of folks to make sure as they were trying to fight through COVID that their uh, O2 uptake was correct and that sort of thing. So we've introduced that um, just recently as part of what we call the triple play. So you've got your chronic care management program. Now we've added in the remote patient monitoring portion of that. So we keep an eye on on the patients, and what we do is we've actually uh, set up the patients with these uh, devices. The devices can actually upload the information into the cloud. That information then gets downloaded into the chronic care management organization. They monitor that, so if there's anything unusual, they can go ahead and uh, get in touch with the the, uh, patient and the practice and figure out what are the next steps we need to take. Do we need to bring that person in? Do we need to maybe do a house call? Do we, you know, help the patient to, to get whatever the issue is under control and, and get it back in line? And so we've actually done that. That that also is, uh, generates additional revenue for all of the doctors, including the independents and the, the smaller the smaller offices. And it allows them to manage a whole lot more uh, patients than if they had to actually bring them in all the time. And so it, it gives them a real cl- clear view of what's going on there. And then we've added one more piece to that. Um, may not be aware of this, but about 80% of the patients that work with their physician, they don't actually uh, always correctly report what they're taking. So they may, they may have uh, changed something over the counter. They may have added something to their, to their plan. They may have actually seen a specialist and didn't share it with their primary care doctor that they're, they're taking some additional medication. So we've added something in for medication reconciliation, and what we do there is we've set it up so that we can, um, the patient doesn't necessarily have to come in, but if the patient's in the office, we suggest that we do a urine analysis, and our lab will um, do that and take a report, and when they bring the report back, it'll look at things that are not prescribed to detect it, and that could be anywhere from caffeine to alcohol or anything like that. Then it'll look at things that are prescribed um, that aren't being tech- detected, right? So you're, you're supposed to be taking certain medications. Are you taking them when you're supposed to, and are they being detected? And then you look at those things that are prescribed and detected, right? So what is actually showing up, and what are you metabolizing correctly? And, and the advantage to that is it actually helps us to track what's going on because there are a lot of issues. Um, I think of a little over 100,000 people died uh, because of improper medication usage uh, on an annual basis. And so when you start thinking about those numbers, uh, it's important. So having all three of those programs actually helps the independent or, or every physician improve their scores, right? Because they're staying in touch. We're minimizing the, the, uh, retouches into the emergency room or into the hospitalization. And we're making sure that there's no, uh, unforeseen circumstances with medication. Hey, before we run out of time, I had a quick question. Maybe you can Give us an answer to. I was thinking about the be- behavioral health aspect and the the big burn and in time and, and patient increases during COVID. Any any quick uh, discussions on that? Sure. What we've done, we've also introduced a product uh, for behavioral health screenings. It it's kind of an interesting situation. What we've done is we've uploaded twenty different uh, behavioral health screenings and surveys that both uh, Medicare and the uh, insurers uh, would like us to would like the doctor to give, and what that does is it does two things. One is it's it's an automated system, so when the uh, patient comes in, you've got two ways you can do it. One is, is you can actually, while they're sitting in the waiting room filling out their initial paperwork, you can give them this tablet. They fill out the uh, the survey John, on the tablet. I hate to yes. jump in here, but we're up at a hard break. Um, one point reminder. Um, This show is for our audience, and John, your content is great. 
We're here for your questions, 407-701-7424, or email healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Great to meet you. Thanks a lot, John. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. COVID-19 impacting your practice? Patients visits down? Elective procedures pushed out? rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, behavioral health screenings. Interested? RxToLive.com. Better yet, call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. 609-605-6859. Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at OrlandoMedicalNews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. Concerned about healthcare skyrocketing expenses? Monthly premiums approaching $2,000? Out of pocket expenses up 50% the past 10 years? Introducing Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Join the discussion. 7 to 8 a.m. Saturday mornings on AM 950 and FM 94.9. Co hosted by IPN's Mark Chayot and Larry Jones and Orlando Medical News' John Kelly. Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis Disinfection Systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to CurisSystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. And we've got an email here from Jasmine in Winter Garden, and she's asking what is the difference between an urgent care center and a standalone ER, and which impacts your insurance, or how does it impact your insurance? Yeah, uh, John, that's a great question. Uh, you know, it's really about level of care and also your copay. Your urgent care copay is probably in the neighborhood of $50. An ER copay would be in the neighborhood of $250. But let Dr. Mark expand on level of care in these centers. All right, so the way it's set up, the, the, the design in a, in a perfect world, which uh, clearly we don't live in, is is it's all level of care. So if you have... Uh, you know, a little bit of fever, runny nose, cough, and you go in and you see your primary care physician, uh, you're going to be well cared for, probably address everything. The, the whole job the primary care doc does is he kind of looks things over and says, can I take care of everything that you need here today, right? So that's going to be a, a low lowest level fee. Um, if it's after hours, uh, then you, you can't get in to see your doc. That's where the urgent care centers kind of stand in right. because their level of acuity should pretty much match the same thing as your primary care physician. Now, if you show up at the urgent care and, and you're having chest pain, you're going to end up going to an emergency room. But if you show up at your urgent care doctor, I'm sorry, at your primary care office and have chest pain, same, same, right? Yeah. So, so if you're having, if you're, if you're already a doctor, you know which place to go. Right. But, but if you're not, you're going to go what's what's closest by. Now, if you if you're having a runny nose and you go to a freestanding ER or, or an ER at the hospital, they're going to take care of you. Yeah, you know, you Dr. Know? Mark, let me jump in here real quick on the cost. And then you oh, yeah. go back to the to the levels of care. You go to your primary care. You're probably going to have a twenty five dollar copay. Right. You go to urgent care. You're probably going to have a fifty dollar copay. You go to a freestanding ER or a hospital ER. You're probably going to have a two hundred to two hundred fifty dollar right, copay. Right. And, yeah. and the yeah. that's just on your personal copay. And then right. what you see that that Medicare or the insurance the company, the bill's yeah. going to come. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to be paying in that yeah. same 
you know. Well, let me jump small, in there on that. <laughs> in the primary care, in the urgent care, you're looking at probably 150 to $200 max billing. Yeah, that's your average that's cost. Your, that average, uh, your ER average cost is $3,300. And now let's just throw this in because we've talked about this so many times before. Yeah. The chance of you getting admitted to the hospital from the hospital ER is way higher than from an urgent care or your primary care physician. No question. And and it that's not an evil money-making plot as far as I've been told, but it's really just the way it works. It, it's it's a it's risk aversion. So it's risk aversion that the doctors and nurses and folks in the ER are they've got a lot of pressure on their hands. Are they looking at somebody that just has runny nose or now am I looking at someone that fits into our COVID scenario? And, you know, right. and by the way, I hate that that's all we call it because that's not what, what it's COVID-19 not what it is. is not what it actually no. is. But <laughs> but uh, but anyway, that's, that's another segment. But that so I hope hope we answered those. Those are the differences. Well, you know, one other thing is when you do go to a hospital uh, ER and if you do get admitted, there's a good chance that you might be on what they call a 23 hour stay. Right. Right. And versus getting fully admitted. Yep. But either way, you're going to run up that thirty three hundred dollar bill right. in a hurry. Right. The 23 hour yeah. is a yeah. is a smaller charge for, right. for sure. But it is. It is considerable, yep. nonetheless. Well, you know, Dr. Mark and Larry, that is why this show exists. We're navigating a really complex healthcare system. Jasmine, I hope that helps you with your decisions in the future. Larry? Thanks, John. You know, uh, talking about some of the more pressing issues in healthcare in 2021, we're going to get a few of them, but let me just mention four, and then, Dr. Mark, if you'd like to expand. You know, we, we've talked about a fragmented healthcare system. Why is that, and what impact does that have on our patients? So it has a huge impact on our patients. We talked at the beginning of uh, of uh, two segments ago. I think we mm-hmm. talked about the difference in care and outcomes in different areas. And so, if somebody's going to have, we'll just pick a uh, a uh, an outcome after an acute myocardial infarction, a heart attack. Right. Depending on where you are in this country of ours the chance of you going home happy and healthy varies greatly. Right. And it's not related to what medical school your doctor went to. Um, it's not related to what insurance plan you're under. It's related to things that are a little more complicated. And, you know, they're, they're studied over and over and over. And until there is a better plan to sort of uh, create care plans that make sense across the country... That's what we're going to see. You know, you hit on a perfect example of uh, of chest pain. Mm-hmm. One health plan last year reported that they had $250 million in non-cardiac chest pain costs yeah. in the ER last year. Yeah. Can you imagine? Right. And the last thing anybody's going to do is say, you know, uh, blow, off, blow off, yeah, blow off the chest yeah, pain. Yeah. So I mean that that's not the answer. It's usually a three day stay if you go if you go in the hospital with right, chest pain. Right. So yeah. so we need a system that, and and there are many different parts in the in the medical system that have done this. They they set up national standards. Uh, one of the one of the best is uh, UNOS, the uh, the group that takes care of uh, organ transplantation. Yes. So organ transplant centers across the country are carefully monitored for outcomes and they're judged and they're checked on. And so if you, if you get a kidney transplant uh, here in, uh, in Shans Florida, would be a big one in this market. Yep, yep. yep. So if you're, if you're treated in Florida, we want to make sure your outcome is going to be the same as if you were treated in Montana. And so UNOS has stepped in. I hope I'm getting that right. I think I am. I think you and, are. And yeah. they've stepped in and set these standards. Um, so other groups that have gone this route are stroke prevention groups. Mm-hmm. And so there are stroke expert centers right. throughout the, yeah, they, you know, they can be statewide. We they have can be several US-wide. right here in Central Florida. Absolutely. Yep. And so these are things that truly change the outcome and the cost, by the way. So as we study these things like you think, oh, well, probably the best place in the country is the most expensive. Mm-hmm. No, it's actually not because they have a system that they can treat the problem with better outcomes, so they're not spending money on tests they don't need. So they're actually, you know, it correlates better outcomes you know, and lower costs. Dr. Mark, you know, one of our physicians actually does that, 
in IPN, and maybe we'll have him on the on a future show mm-hmm. to talk about what he does in the way of brain trauma and uh, outcomes. Great, great, great. You know. But I mean, that's that's so. So that's that regional differentiation that, that right. I think you were you were. It is. It's exactly that. what I'm yeah. talking about. You know, uh, making technology and data more effective for patient centered care, uh, and then course the advancing of artificial intelligence which we talked about on right. the last show absolutely absolutely and nobody knows about ehrs more than you do as a physician i, tell you, I, I think i said it, it's <laughs> the, wor- the worst thing i've ever had to do in my entire career is, is uh start ehr and then change over to different ehrs so the the idea in in the utopian society of healthcare would be that we would all have a card a chip or some identifier that would contain our entire medical history. And if we did wander in to a freestanding ER on Tuesday, and three months ago we were at an urgent care that's owned by a different corporation, that information would be shared yes. on that like pathway. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Right. Um, that is something that that centralized data sharing is a goal of many. Um, you know, there's there are many challenges trying to you know keep this information private. Um, trying to work with companies that compete, they compete for physicians. I mean, I'm sorry, they compete for physicians. They compete right. for for clients. Right. There, I mean, it's it's a it's a you know. Well, the tool that you and most physicians use is an electronic medical record. We call it EHR EMR. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that today, based on the movement to value based care, has become quite antiquated. Right. Yes. Because yeah. you know it's we need to follow the patients real time. Exactly. We need to know, we being the primary care physicians and providers, we need well, to know where they go. Well, it's become burdensome and putting the data in the EMR, yep. and then the actual use of actionable data for the physician in determining it's patient care and outcomes. Yeah, it's not there. That's where the issue is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's paper yeah. to check boxes yeah. that, that, I mean, I, I could really go on. I could yeah. go on a real rant on the whole. Maybe EMR we'll do thing. a whole show. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a whole show on EMR and have a couple other physicians come in. Yeah. and the three of you can have well, a conversation. Well, I think you know the the, <laughs> the danger there is just getting to this heyday of how how can we fix this? And there there are fixes out there, and there are companies out there that are doing uh, a great job in trying to create technologies that access data quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. And as you said, we we have advancing AI. Right. We have blockchain. Right. We have things that we can use in this computerized world right. that can take real data and change outcomes. Yeah. You know, the, the last one that I want to talk about before we get close to close, because i got a couple questions for you, Dr. Mark, is addressing the growing mental health epidemic. And, you know, uh, U.S. Representative Patrick Kennedy said that the pandemic has unleashed a new wave of mental health and substance use disorders in this country in the way of isolation, depression, loneliness, all these things. And what are you hearing from your colleagues in the market? So the it's access, 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 right? I mean, this has always been an area. Mental health care has always been a difficult area for delivery. I mean, I think we've uh, come up with plans to start in the in the colleges and universities and make it easy for people to reach out. This is a place where telemedicine got in quite early. Um, this is a place where 1-800 hotlines have always been out there. Well, not always been out there, been out there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And right now what we're facing is just this volume increase. And right. there isn't right. an answer other than first step is recognition. Right. So we need to recognize that this is a need. Uh, and, you know, the public service announcements are out there. I mean, there's a lot of organizations that are waving this flag very appropriately. Right. You know, you've been doing this since 1997, Dr. Mark, and I guess the last question before we go is, what are the biggest changes that have impacted your practice over the years? Just in a quick minute. Um, I would say uh, changes in the way that we have to work with contracts with insurance companies mm-hmm. uh, and then governmental oversight on things like EMR. Okay. Excellent. Well, well gentlemen... Father time is run out. Today's healthcare consumer has options, but navigating the current healthcare system is confusing, and that is the Healthcare Now radio show's value proposition. Please join me in recognizing our advertising partners who make this conversation possible. Diana Cicado with Cicado Film, John Fogarty with RX to Live, our guest today, Francis Gristed with Curis decontamination systems, Nick DiOrio with Healthy Soul, 
Mark Chayat, MD, pediatric surgeon. Larry Jones, with Integrated Independent Physicians Network. And John Kelly with the Orlando Medical News. Again, please email your questions to healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com or call 407-701-7424. Larry, any last uh, word for our audience? Yeah, you know, we'll continue our discussion on educating healthcare consumers and discussion on issues on the truth about the U.S. health. Greatest gift you can give your family in the world is a healthy you. See you next week. Do you feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com.